1: our belief in and application of the entire uncompromised Word of God. We must live in it, walk in it, talk in it, aid in it, love in it, stand firm in it, abide in it, and so on. All love, honor, and glory belong to God. We must continuously strive to abide in the Word of God and all that we think, say, and do. This is the true measure of genuine salvation. Listen with Bible, pen, and paper handy as Pastor Rander enlightens us today on how to know if we are genuinely saved.
2: Father, help me to preach this word this morning as we just worship your name that is above every name, soothes our doubts, quiet our spirits. You make spiritual readjustments in us. You bring us to ourselves. And at the end of ourselves so that we can completely focus and attune ourselves on the great God of hope. Help me to preach this message now and that those who have ears to hear, hear what the Spirit of God has to say. We pray against satanic distractions and we pray that all who are listening by radio and social media and Spirit Center and virtually and looking and YouTube and all these things, may we still ourselves in your presence so that we can receive hope in terrible times. In Jesus' name. And all God's children said, Amen. You may be seated in the presence of God as we prepare ourselves for the preaching of the precious word of God. Have your Bibles. You'd be so kind enough to turn to 1 John chapter 5 verses 1 through 5. 1 John chapter 5 verses 1 through 5. And you'll find these words. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. And everyone who loves the Father will also love his children. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and obey his commandments. For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments and his Commandments are not burdensome for everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the son of God? And from this particular passage of scripture, we want to preach the evidence of genuine salvation The evidence of genuine salvation. Uh, We're preaching through uh, the book of 1 John, and we are already on chapter five. This is the last chapter in this little book. We're coming to the end of it the evidence of genuine salvation. Salvation is so critical and uh, it's not preached on enough, and uh, we need to put high emphasis on salvation. And if you're saved, there ought to be some evidence to validate your salvation. Why? Because everybody talking about heaven is not going there. You can wear Christian T-shirts. You can place a Christian bumper sticker on your car and a beautiful cross around your neck and still bust hell wide open. You can have church membership and go to hell. You can have great church attendance and go to hell. You can say I'm blessed and highly favored and go to hell. You can say God is good all the time and all the time God is good and bust hell wide open. You can shout and go to hell. You can speak in tongues and go to hell. You can be slain in the spirit and go to hell. Beloved, it's a dangerous thing where you can go to hell from the church house. Beloved, the true test that you are a Christian is the evidence that can be seen in your life through the bearing of good fruit to the glory of God. Matthew chapter seven, verse 16a says, you will know them by their fruit. You will know them by their fruit. And as your pastor, it is my deepest desire to know that I give pastoral leadership to those in the congregation who are saved without a doubt. That's my highest goal, spiritual goal for you. I mean, it's not about how well you can be dressed or how nice your hair look and how good you smell. All those things are good and how much you have. All those things are good. But the greatest desire of any God called pastor Is to have the assurance of knowing that all those that he gives leadership to is going to heaven, heaven bound to the glory of God. And what breaks any God called pastor's heart is to pastor congregants for many, many years only to have some in the body of Christ who are lost and headed to a Christless eternity in hell. Beloved, the fruit that you bear gives evidence as to whether or not you're saved. In this particular passage, John shares how we can know if we are genuinely saved without a doubt. Listen, it's too late in the evening for you to be unsure about your salvation, you're too old to be unsure. Uh, uncertain, indecisive, Uh, times are too dangerous, Satan is too busy, Uh, the world is too evil for you not to know that you know, that you know, you know, you've been born again by the Spirit of God. With that being said, how can I know that I'm genuinely saved? How can every young child ought to be asking that every teenager should be asking that every young adult should be asking the question Uh, a person who's been in the faith a long time every person in leadership. Do you realize there are persons in leadership uh, in churches all over this world that are candidates for hell. There are preachers who preach in the pulpit going to hell because they don't have a relationship. There are false prophets in the pulpits. Everybody you see on TV is not real. So, so, how can I know that I'm genuinely saved? What a question! What a question! I want you to know the times are two. In the midst of this virus, in the midst of all the stuff that's going gone, the immigration issues, in the midst of political unrest, in the midst of, in the midst of rising prices and, and uncertainty and death and disease and dying and hurt and pain and anguish. And you don't know. You are saved without a doubt. How do you know? Number one, you are genuinely saved if you believe that Jesus is the Christ. You are genuinely saved if you believe that Jesus is the Christ. It's right there in verse one. You can underline it. Verse one, he says, everyone. Who believes, to believe, that's to to trust in, to trust, to put your faith in, to rely on, that Jesus is the Christ, has been born of God. The object of the believer's faith is Jesus Christ. The object of the believer's faith is Jesus Christ. He's the object of our faith, whom God sent to be the Savior to take away our sins. Whoever places their faith in Jesus Christ as the only Savior has been born again. Whoever places their faith in Jesus Christ as the only Savior has been born again. The term born again, say born again. That's what a question you ought to ask people. Have you been born again? When's the last time you've asked anyone, have you been born again? It's a biblical question term. Jesus told Nicodemus, you must be born again. Uh, the term born again, what does what what it refer to? It refers to the new birth. Uh, born again refers to spiritual birth. The first birth is a natural birth when you're born through the womb of your mother. The second birth is the spiritual birth. If you only have one birth in life, That's hell bound. But if you've been born again, you're heaven bound. You have to be born again. So the new birth born again refers to the new birth. It refers to spiritual birth to be born again refers to rebirth of one spirit. It's a rebirth of one spirit Uh, to be born again. It is a new transformed and regenerated life. It is a new transformed and And regenerated life. A new birth brings us into a permanent relationship with God and Christ. The new birth brings us into a permanent relationship with God and Christ. The new birth is such a radical, life-changing experience in a person's life that it can only be described as being born again. Get that? The new birth is such a spiritual, radical, life changing experience in a person's life that it can only be described as being born again. When one has been born genuinely again, he or she continues to believe that Jesus is the son of God. You don't believe that Jesus is the son of God today, but you don't believe he's God tomorrow. You continue to believe all the way to heaven that Jesus is God. So the first way you can know that you are genuinely saved is that you are genuinely saved. If you believe that Jesus is the Christ, you are genuinely saved. If you believe that Jesus is the Christ. Secondly, how can I know that I'm genuinely saved? You are genuinely saved. If you love the children of God, if you love the children of other believers in Christ, Young believers, children, uh, young children in Christ, uh, the elders, the seniors. Uh, in First John, there, verses one b through two a, it says, "And everyone who loves the Father will also love his children." Verse two: By this we know that we love the children of God. Now, listen. When one has been born again, not only will he love God. He will also love the children of God, other believers in Christ. God commands us to love other believers. Why? He said, why does God command us to love other believers? You know why? Because we were saved by the same God. We uh, we were saved by the same Holy Spirit. We all been born again the same way, the same new birth. We've all been saved by the same blood. We all have the same divine nature. We all possess the same spiritual adoption. And we're all headed to the same heavenly home. We all go, You're not going to one heavenly home and I'm going to another. No, we're all going to heaven to be with the Father. When God us, the church, we're going to heaven. And if you were to die right now, if I die behind his pulpit, to be absent... Uh, in the bodies to be present with the Lord instantly. If I dropped here, I'm in heaven at that moment with the Lord. And whenever you die, you go to be with the Lord or uh, the rapture comes and, and those who are left here, you are, you're transformed. Uh, and you are raptured out of here uh, to be with the Lord in the same heavenly home. Saved by the same blood, the same gospel, the same gospel. Same regeneration, same Holy Spirit, same adoption, same heavenly home. We are brothers and sisters. We have a lot of commonalities. That's why we ought not be fighting over any and everything because we have more in common with each other instead of picking on those things that cause us to fight against one another. We ought to be shouting about what we have in common. Amen? What are the signs that you love other believers. What are the signs that you love other believers? They're signs, you say, I love other believers, I love the saints, I love children of God, I love God and I love children. Well, let's see the signs of your love for other believers. A, when you love the believers, you speak the truth in love. You speak the truth in love. That's a sure sign that you love other believers. You don't talk to them any kind of way. Ephesians four fifteen says, instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way, more and more like Christ. Now, when you're growing in Christ, you will speak the truth in love. If you're a spiritual babe in Christ, you will operate in the flesh and you're subject to let out a cuss word. You're subject to a so-called lay your religion down and let them have it. And if you can lay your religion down, I'm kind of afraid of that religion anyway. I don't want a religion that I can lay down and pick up. Because once I have Christ in me, the hope of glory, I I can't lay down Christ. Why don't y'all say amen? So so instead we will grow, speak the truth in love, growing in Christ. When you're growing in Christ, it's transformative to your speech. And you look more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, uh, the church. Beloved, you cannot minister with your words unless you are growing spiritually. Your words should be ministering. Your words ought to minister to me. My words ought to minister to you. And your words ought to be ministering to each other. Your words ought to be ministering in the context of your family. Your words ought to be ministering on your job in the neighborhood. I minister to people. If I'm in the cleaners, I'm ministering. I'm ministering. Somebody drop something off. At the door of my home, I'm ministering. To the yard guy or whatever, you are ministering to others in every dimension of life. Beloved, you cannot minister with your words unless you are growing spiritually in every dimension of your life to include your speech. You ought to be growing in Christ in your language, in your speech. Others will be more inclined... To accept the truth from you if you speak the truth in the right time, in the right tone, and in the right spirit. Now, you gotta get that. Marriages will be so much sweeter, relationships with siblings will be so much sweeter, relationships on the job in the marketplace will be so much sweeter. Uh, if you will learn to allow the Holy Spirit to temper your speech, others will be more inclined to accept the truth from you. You know, you have to earn the right to speak in other folk life. How are you going to speak in somebody's life? And you don't even know their name. Have no relationship. Let me tell you what you do. You you, you want to tell them how to correct and adjust themselves. and You don't even know them. You ought to build relationships. Others will be more inclined to accept the truth from you. Say me. If you speak the truth in the right right time, in the right tone, and in the right spirit. For some people, it's never the right time. It's always the wrong time. And so you just got to go on and just speak because it's just never right. Okay? When you are growing spiritually in Christ, listen at this. Y'all quiet because you're really listening and I want you to listen, every one of you. When you are growing spiritually in Christ, he will transform your language. You're not harsh. You're not rude. You don't get loud. You're not pushy. You're not so authoritative. When you are growing spiritually in Christ, he will transform your language, which will be toned down, spiritually refined, and conformed to that of the Lord Jesus Christ. Again, I say to you, when you're growing spiritually in Christ, he will transform your language. Some folk have to have the last word. They're going to tell you, they got to tell you what they think regardless, you know, because it's just like them to do it. When you're growing spiritually in Christ, he will transform your language, which will be toned down, spiritually refined, and conformed to that of the Lord Jesus Christ. B. A sign that you love other believers is that you are praying for them. You're praying for them. I'm praying for you. You're praying for me. Every time I come to your mind, you ought to be praying for me. And when you you come to my mind, I ought to be praying for you. The Bible says pray for one another. If you're not praying for me, you are spiritually remiss. If I'm not praying for you, I'm spiritually negligent. The Bible says pray for one another and bear one another's burden. You see me going a little to this or you think I'm going a little to that, then pray for me. Pray for me. A sign that you love other believers is that you are praying for them. Ephesians 6, 18b says, with this in mind, be alert. What alert means, we talked about that in Bible study for those who you in Bible study. It means be aware, be informed, watch out, be alert, and always keep on praying. You never stop praying. Why? Because Satan is always working. He's always strategizing. Your flesh always have a propensity of rising up. Okay, that's that part of us, that unredeemed flesh. Just because you get saved by the spirit of God doesn't mean that your flesh is gone. <laughs> you will be forever trusting God to keep that old Adamic nature under control. Because at any moment, it wants to burst loose. Somebody know what I'm talking about. It says, with this in mind, be alert, watch out, and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. All the Lord's people. You pray for that child. Don't just pray for your child, pray for somebody else's child. Not just your husband, somebody else's husband. Not just that wife, somebody else's wife. Seniors and on and on. Beloved, our prayers must not be restricted to just our family. It must not be restricted just to our extended family and to those who are gracious to us. Not that we pray for those we like only. You can't just be praying for those who are lovable and easy to relate to. Our prayers must also be broadened to include those who are challenging. Our prayers must be inclusive of those who are difficult. We ought to be praying. And that's why God allows difficult people in our lives, because it drives us to our knees. If everything went the way you wanted to go, you find no reason to pray. God let that agitation come into your life to get your attention to keep you in a spirit of prayer. You got it? You see so you pray for that person who is difficult. There will always be you, you would never have a life that's free of difficult people, challenging people, immature people, and stubborn people. You have to get out of this world or get, get away from that. We must also pray for our enemies. Our enemies. And by the way, stop looking at people as if that's my enemy, that's my enemy, that. that, that. No, there's a it, the, the real enemy is that spirit behind the person. Satan is a spirit. Okay, he's a supernatural spirit and he's at work. We must also pray for our enemies which takes spiritual maturity on our part. Now, how many of y'all know y'all got enemies? And it's not your wife. Okay, it's not your spouse. It's not your cousin. It's not your mother-in-law, father-in-law. Okay, it's not that boss that, that just won't leave you alone. The enemy is greater than that person, but you have to pray for those persons that Satan is using. Don't lose it. You, you just can't run away from every issue in your life. Every time some run up, uh, come up on your job, well, I quit. Well, you'll never have a job. How you going to eat? How you going to eat? And that, it ought to be that way in the church too, when something happens. Unfortunately in a church You don't say well I'm leaving that church Because there's a problem there Because this happened here Because he said this over here and That person hurt my feelings I'm going here and then I'm going there You won't be anywhere Because there's no perfect church And when you get there it won't be perfect it won't be perfect it won't be perfect, perfect. There's some crazy folk everywhere <laughs> You have some People are people everywhere Luke 6, 27 through 28 says, But I say to you who hear, love your enemies. Jesus had a whole bunch of them. But he kept doing the master's will. He himself says, Love your enemies, do good to those who hate you. Now that's a folk that hate you. You say, What? Yeah. You say, I don't, everybody love me. You deceived. You, you just think. You need to put a little think in there. You just think everybody love you. Everybody don't love you. Matter of fact, the scripture says, woe be unto you when all men, people speak well of you. Yeah. Huh? So do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you and pray for those who abuse you. This is an abusive society. People abuse with their words, their action, their language. People will just demoralize you and you have to be built up in the faith lest they just wipe you out. C, denying yourself for the sake of others indicate that we love other believers. Denying yourself for the sake of others indicate that we love other believers. Philippians 2 4 says, Let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interest of others. Denying yourself for the sake of others indicate that we love other believers. Philippians 2 4. You see, self preoccupation, self absorption, self interest, self centeredness and self-promotion will cause you to end up in spiritual demotion. Get that again? Self what? Preoccupation, self-absorption, self-interest, self, 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 self self-centeredness, and self-promotion will cause you to end up in spiritual demotion. Listen to me closely. God elevate those... Who exalt Christ and put the interest of others first. Did you get that? God elevates those who exalt Christ. You lift up Christ and your motive is to glorify Christ, to do the will of Christ, to worship Christ, to honor Christ, to serve him with your heart, mind, soul, and spirit, to give him the best of your service. God will exalt you, elevate you, Because you are interested not in your self-promotion, but the interest of others to the glory of God.
1: The Bible tells us that there is no assurance of salvation apart from obedience to God's Word, for His Word alone gives us that assurance. We must trust in the Lord with all our hearts and acknowledge Him in all our ways. Only then can we say we are genuinely saved.